0: i I, uh, I feel like after that worship set I, i'm i in, 'm I'm, I'm in trouble here. That was awesome. I was thinking of that last song, and uh, i don 't know if you like loud music if you don 't like loud music, um, yeah, I <laughs> know uh, <laughs> when we started hope, it was a hundred decibels back at the board, which means if you were up here, the paint was getting peeled off your face. I mean, if you had paint on your face, it'd just be gone. And we were. It was, you know, no offense if you were part of that early band, and Graham was part of it. Graham was our first worship leader here at Hope, but we didn't have much, but we had a lot of volume back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I was thinking of this, and the bass just woofing, uh, and I like, I like that. I, I, I'm one of those guys that likes to go to a bar or something to hear that woof woof. You know, hits you right in the breastbone and kind of rattles your cage a little bit. And, and and some of you don't, and that's that's great. Come next week. What do we got, cello next week up here? Seriously, next next Sunday we have the cello team. So uh, that's great. I like cello too. I like the cello. I have a lot of illustrations about cello, but I'm kind of a rocker at heart. And so um, and I was thinking of that, This like this wall of sound. It is a wall of sound that hits you. And I was just thinking about um, if you could right now, I, I wish you could die right now, and just sit in front of the wall of God's love. No, I really mean that. I, I wish you could die and sit in front of the wall of Christ's love for you. It would make that base and that wall that hit you just... Uh, this week I've been thinking a lot about the love of Christ, and uh, I need it. Um, you need it. I think we need that as a, as a people. I've been in really enjoying, I hope some of you are joining me on this, uh, the Bible in a Year program, or if you're like me and core, we've already confessed we're a little bit behind. I'm still in the middle of Exodus let my people go. They, they they get let out. I'm not gonna spoil it, but um and I have really been enjoying I think the Bible to me is just an amazing book. I mean that understatement of the year, obviously, but but the Bible is an amazing book and it has in it just about everything you'd ever want. I'm reading in I'm reading in Genesis the story of Joseph. And Joseph, if you're not familiar with Joseph, He um, gets dissed on by his brothers. There's 12 siblings. One of them is Joseph. He's one of the youngest, if not the youngest, I think. And he ends up uh, having this dream, and he tells all his brothers, you're all going to bow down to me. Well, you know how that's going to go over with 11 older siblings. And and they end up uh, basically selling this guy into slavery. Make a long story short, uh, years and years and years pass. Uh, The brothers come to him, and they end up bowing down to him because God has raised him up to be a great man. And he tells the brothers... To go back to the, their father, Jacob, and bring him to me. Because I want to see him. I haven't seen him in many, many years. Now, I bet you there's no one in this room who knows this verse. Genesis 45, verse 24. They're leaving. They're leaving. And he says this to them. Then, this is Joseph saying to the brothers, they're going back to get Jacob the father. He says, then he sent his brothers away. And as they were leaving, he said to them. These are the last words he says to them as before they go and get the brother. Don't quarrel on the way. That's what he tells them. Don't quarrel on the way. And the next verse is, so they went up and went out of Egypt and got their, brother, their, their father and brought him back. It's like, no, that's interesting. I have three boys in my family. That makes a lot of sense. You know, just don't quarrel on the way. What a fantastic thing. So I think it's a biblical precedent for my boys not to quarrel. Then I'm in Exodus. I'm in Exodus and uh, they're, they're just going to, the, the angel of death is going to, the destroyer is going to come unless they do the Passover, unless they put uh, lamb's blood over the door, you probably saw it in the movie, and and all this. And God tells them how they're supposed to celebrate it. And he tells them, this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt. So this is a biblical precedent, I think, for those bums that don't tuck in their shirt. <laughs> it's right here. How do you eat it? you t- Cloak tucked into your belt. This is a generational thing. This is a generation, definitely I am definitely one of that old thing. It's like tuck in your shirt, tuck in your shirt. <laughs> Only one place I get that is on the baseball field. Those kids on my team don't even set foot on the di- on the on the playing field unless they're had it straight. Am I hearing that? All right, unless, uh, at least I get that. I'm just kidding. Once once a year, or so I don't tuck in my shirt too. But anyway, seriously. <laughs> I, I, am, I am reading through the Word right now, and I came to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is a rich, oh my goodness, what a rich chapter of Scripture. And it's, it's oh man, it's all in context of the, the beginning, they see these children and the disciples, um, the disciples ask who's the greatest in the kingdom, and he calls a little child over and it's amazing, it goes from there to church discipline, which also has to do with this children issue. Anyway, in the middle of that, he looks at the disciples and he says, see that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? And he gives him an analogy. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Now, if you're here this morning, and you don't think God loves you, repent. Right now. Let's get that thought out of your mind. God loves you. It's amazing. I know. And you're a sheep that's wandering all over the place. He still loves you. He's eagerly looking for you. If you're a sheep that's really wandering, he's really looking. That's what this passage says. I read that passage in the morning. I spent a lot of time on Bible yesterday. It was just snowing, and, and my two older boys were gone, and my younger boy had a, had a friend, had a couple of the Nelson boys were over, and I just spent a lot of time reading my Bible. And then uh, my two older boys were out. I don't know if they're here today or not. I don't think so. Um, they were out uh, snowboarding. They were supposed to go snowboarding at 3 o'clock. They are going to Welsh Village, which is quite a ways away. And they're going from somewhere uh, with a school uh, in in uh, up on by Blaine, uh, Lionel Lakes actually. And they're supposed to be on the, leaving at three. At about four forty or so, I get a phone call from them. Actually, what happened? I got to give the story correct. My wife got a phone call on her cell phone, but her cell phone broke up, and she said somebody from the school called. They're going to call you. And there's about a three minute between those two times. Now. That's panic time. That is panic time. I am freaking about my two boys. And all these images of broken necks or whatever, you don't even think anything of it. But all of a sudden, I'll just repeat it over and over. Lord, please, no. Turns out they didn't fill in some form that they're supposed to do or whatever, you know. (laughs) My boys forget a form? Ho, ho, ho. No, anyway. um, I was really moved by that, though. If that's what I feel like for my kids, do you know what your Heavenly Father feels like You feels like for you this morning? The Bible is full of things that hit you right where you're at. If you're sad, you're going through a really hard time, maybe some of you in this room are, Psalm 88 is one of the darkest psalms written in all of Scripture. If you're going through a time where you're fearful, read Joshua, Joshua 1. Man, this guy was terrified. It even says, don't be terrified, he tells him. Why? Because he was terrified of the things he was going to have to do. Look at some of the, the uh, Psalms of David Is he's fearful or terrified or anything. There, it, the Bible, if you just read it like it's true, read it like it's real events, real it like it's somebody calling you from the school about something that really hits you, it's amazing what it says to you. And today, today we are going to party. Because the passage is probably one of the most emotional parties in Scripture. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 12. We are in our 54th sermon, holy shnikes, (laughs) of the Gospel of John. We are coming up on the end of what we're calling part two. Part two was, we did uh, about uh, 10 or so weeks on the first 18 verses, was kind of the introduction to the, the Gospel of John. Part two was from the end of that, or the middle of chapter one, all the way to the end of chapter 12. We'll be done here in a couple weeks of that, and then we're going to spend the rest of the time, up till right around Labor Day, um, through the rest of the book. And we will, there actually will, there are other books in the Bible. We will, besides Acts and John, if you've come to hope since you've been in this building, there are other books in the Bible. But anyway. Now, I want to give you a context of what the party, and this is the party. This is a huge party. What we're going to see today. I want to give you the context. Just reiterate what, a little bit what core, and, and, and quite honestly, an outstanding message. I, I, I know that sounds like uh, it was a good message, and man, I was convicted. Really, seriously, I, I uh, um, listened to it yesterday in preparation for this, and uh, wow, that was not not to your glory, because everything you got comes from God. So, right, but that was it was it was good, and the the anointing of Mary. Onto Jesus by an expensive perfume, and Judas bums out about it, and, and just the seeing the different hearts there, and that your your things will come out. And that, that really hit me as I was listening to this. But anyway, to pick up the context, then Matthew or John 12, verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. Again, we said Lazarus doesn't say any words, or excuse me, doesn't say any words that are recorded. But he certainly was an attraction. A dead guy who we know is dead, he's there, and he starts gathering a crowd. It would gather a huge crowd. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. I wonder if that would happened if Jesus would have. No, I don't know. Um, For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Do you understand what's happening now? This is Saturday. Most scholars think that this was Saturday. One week and a day before Easter. Most people put it right in that date. Possibly one day or not to either side. We're not sure. We believe Palm Sunday, what we're going to look at today, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem was Sunday. It could possibly be Monday. Eh, There's some debate on that. But it's right in there. He's right on this edge of it. And what is happening is there's a groundswell of now support for Jesus. There are a lot of people. Remember when Lazarus was raised, a lot of people followed him. And then some people didn't. They plotted against him. Now when they see Lazarus after this event with with, uh, Mary pouring the perfume, all of a sudden more people follow him. And they're starting to become this following for Jesus. All right, let's take a look at the party. The next day, John 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Alright, so listen, the feast is the Passover feast. I already described it a little bit. You've seen the Ten Commandments. It celebrates the, the event of the Exodus out of Egypt and that God in his final judgment, and there's a bunch of them. If you're reading through Exodus right now, there's a bunch of judgments. The one that finally does it is God kills all the firstborn of those who don't trust him and put the lamb's uh, blood over the doorpost. If you don't do that, the firstborn of your house will die, including Pharaohs. Pharaoh's son dies. It's fi- the final straw. Pharaoh just says, get out of here. Let's him go. Okay, in celebration of that, of what God did to deliver 600,000 men plus women and children. So what is that? One over. It's a million plus people out of slavery from a nation. And it's incredible. An event that's probably never been done uh, except for the freeing of the Jews after World War II. I mean, this amount of people being freed. And there's this event called Passover that they'd celebrate. It's a huge, it's like the Christmas. It's like the big deal if you were a Jew. And so they all went to Jerusalem. Now, how many went to Jerusalem? A lot. <laughs> up to a million. Could be up to a million people were in Jerusalem for this feast. Now, so now picture this now. The great crowd. they come for the feast, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches And went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Okay, so you got all these people in the town, and they're coming out as Jesus is coming in. As Jesus is coming in, he's got this following, this entourage coming in. This is a party. They are coming at each other. There's people everywhere. It's pandemonium. Now... Jesus coming in, they take palm branches and they say these words and they're very important. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless the King of Israel. They're quoting Psalm 118. Listen to Psalm 118. O Lord, save us. That's what Hosanna means, by the way. Hosanna means save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of, From the house of the Lord we bless you. They're quoting that which basically says is, here comes our deliverer. Here comes our deliverer. Here he is. You're the one. You're the one that's going to save us. You're the one that's going to grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name. This is it. This guy raised Lazarus from the dead. He must really be the one. Who's the one that they're looking for, though? That's the tricky question. Because something ain't, if you know your history of the last eight days of Jesus' life, if this is Palm Sunday, on Sunday they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. On Friday, what are they yelling? <laughs> Crucify him. Hmm. They want somebody to come in. They want a Savior, but not from their sin. They want a political Savior. They want someone who's going to rally all of these people together to take over the Romans. Look at Luke 19. It says This event is found in all the Gospels. It's so important. It's in every Gospel. It's in Matthew chapter 21, Luke chapter 19, Mark 11. And I want to look at the one in Luke. Luke chapter 19. I just love this passage. It's the same event, but just here at a little different angle. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully... To praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. A prophecy about Mick Jagger and Keith Richard. Now, um... I've used all the bad jokes for the entire year and just that one right there. But (laughs) seriously, what is Jesus saying? This is just, people are elated. Now, they're elated for the wrong reason. But Jesus says, you should be elated if you knew the right reason. Somebody's going to let you be elated. If I stop them, there's so much happening here right now that the King of Glory is coming into Jerusalem to not unseat the Romans, but to die for the sins of the world, that they should be screaming as much as they can. In fact, if I stop them, I think the blades of grass are going to start to scream. Um, knowing what I was going to talk about today, when we sang that song, I Will Not Keep Silent, and that the the whole world's screaming God's glory, it just hit me that that's what it must have been like, that it was kind of chaotic in here, and I, you know, organized chaos. If we'd all been kind of running around and screaming a little more... Uh, that would have been a little better. Um, not for a good Norwegian church, but, but it, 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 you know, that would have been a more like the scene, what it would have been like then. Everybody was just screaming. It was just this this, this incredible party happening. Now, what do they want to do? They ultimately want Jesus to come in, and they want to set him up as king. They've already tried this once. Remember in John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, they did, he did this, uh, the, the loaves. Uh, The the feeding of the 5,000. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus doesn't want to be their political king. However, he's, he's, we're just going to, we're going to see in just a minute. He's fully acknowledging That I am the king of Israel. Just perhaps not in the way you think. I don't want to be your political king for your political purposes to get you exactly what you think you want. But I want every one of you to bow your knee to me, not to think that I'm going to deliver you from something that you want. Now, just stop and think about that for a second. Um, I think in the evangelical church at times we have made Jesus our political king. If you don't agree with me on this political issue, whether it's Republican or Democrat, you are out of bounds. And Jesus is on my side. You've got to be really careful with that one. I I mean, does Jesus uh, portray morals? Yes, of course. But by putting, you know, Jesus on your side of a political argument, it's pretty similar to what they want to do. They want to put Jesus in a box and control him for their purposes. And that's, that's real dangerous here. All right. Now, they, what's the deal with the palm branches? Two things in particular. One, when the second temple was built, it's in between. The it starts in Ezra and Nehemiah. There's rebuilding, but when it's fully built, there's nothing in the Bible about it. But there's historical books. One of them is First and Second Maccabees. When it's when it's there, this idea of waving a palm branch branch was a way of of uh, showing Jewish nationalism. So by waving a palm branch, and they had these date palms everywhere, you could cut one off, they'd wave it, and it was, a way to, it was like waving the American flag at a, at, a, at a parade for 4th of July or something. Second thing, it was a sign of overcoming in battle. In the two major wars, the two major wars against Rome, the rebels, the, those groups, the Germanic or whatever the barbarians were that were trying to take over, in the, both those times, they printed coins saying that they were going to trash the Romans and they put palm branches on them. So there was like an overcoming army coming in. So both those things are going on here. What they're thinking is going to happen. Now, what does he do? John uh, 12. Let's go back to John. Verse 14. Jesus found a young donkey. If you want to hear more about that, you look to the other Gospels. They talk about how he got the donkey. And John isn't as concerned about how they got the donkey, just that he's got a donkey. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. He is quoting Zechariah 9.9, 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, it's huge. The, the donkey thing, you think, no big deal. No, it's big because remember we've been talking about from John chapter 1 verse 19 all the way till now that Jesus is slowly revealing himself who he is slowly a little bit more a little bit by a little bit and then John 11 he just says I am the resurrection and the life I am the bread of life I am the good shepherd all these things come together but when he comes downtown Jerusalem wearing or riding a donkey it is unveiled he's totally letting it be known who am i I'm the king. I am the king. And I'm coming downtown. I love John's honesty, uh, the writer of this gospel. John, uh, verse 16, 12, verse 16, he says, At first his disciples did not understand all this. (laughs) I love that. Duh, you think? Uh, Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. It's not the way the crowd expected it. We're going to see that. We're going to see that for the next uh, eight days in this. In this, uh, what's going on? That this is not who they expected. They expected a king to come. They expected someone to trash the Romans, and that's you can hear this thing: trash the Romans, trash the Romans. They don't write about it, but it's there. I'm sure. Get rid of these guys. And that's not what Jesus came to do. Not first and foremost. This party overspilled. It just it's out of control. Verse 17. Now the crowd that was with him when they called Lazarus from the tomb and raised from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So you got this crowd coming in. They're just pumped up. This is the guy. He's raised this guy. Here he is, and here's the guy who was dead. Smell him. He still kind of smells Yucky. This is him. And the people are coming out going, that's the guy. Jesus smells good. Must be perfumed Lazarus. Ooh, like Cor's, uh sewer project there. Not so good. And he's got all this going on. There's chaos going on. And more and more and more people are following Jesus. It is a party. It's out of control. But at every party, you've got to have a party pooper. And here they are. I, I don't know exactly. I typed in, party pooper, a cat came up. I don't know how that happened. I I don't know. Just, it happened. (laughs) So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Instead of saying, you know what, you might really be the king. no, 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 they're going to plot even more. The party is going on. The party is going on now. I love, the, uh, man, I, I, I said to Tim, I said, I, I, I gave Tim ahead of time the things I'm going to be talking about, but there's no way he'd know the angle I'm going to be taking. And I thought, how in the world did you pick those songs? It's so amazing. They talk about, uh, uh, It Is Well With My Soul, where it talks about the Trump cell resound and, and he would come. Trump was around. Think of it. Anybody got more of it? The Lord, the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord on my soul. Yeah, so there's this whole thing. Do you realize how much of a party this is? You know, I know that life is hard. Life is hard. And I know some of what some of you in this room are going through. I know what I'm going through. Life is hard. I will fully acknowledge that. And I'm not, what I'm about to say is is not meant to minimize that in, 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 in anything. And I, I really do believe that it is a struggle. The normal Christian life is one of struggle. You will struggle. It'll be a hard thing to just trust the Holy Spirit to continue to help you to go in this life. But it'll take 1.6 milliseconds in the presence of God to forget all that. I, I, I mean, it, it is just going to be like, woohoo, party!" And it's just like, oh yeah, but you didn't have any legs. Or, you know, you had cancer. Or your your kids were in a snowboarding thing or whatever. It doesn't matter. That's what the Bible calls hope. The Bible calls hope by putting your, putting your hope and your trust in that, that future, that reality, that party that Jesus came to start here and he didn't let it stop. I love how he didn't let it stop. He just let it go crazy and that's what it's going to be like. For us who are followers of Jesus Christ, what it's going to be like on that day, that day will be a party like on anything. It'll make this one look like a tea party. That one will rock so the, the, the application this morning is set your hope on the party. Now, I'm not trying to say minimize what's in your life. I'm not trying to say don't deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it, though, in light of the party. If you don't deal with that on life in the party, you're just, you're just a fatalist. It's just life sucks and then you die. It's life sucks and then you die and then you live. That's the real story, okay? Let's pray together. Lord it is an amazing blessing to be here at this point in this gospel right now we've been in this for over a year and here we are you are a man full of courage to know fully well that everyone who right now who's patting you on the back and screaming your name in glory and saying you're the greatest thing ever is going to change that pat on the back to a stab in the back and is going to betray you and the mobs are going to hate you in just a few days. So God, in this room, I pray, by your Holy Spirit, would you make us be people, no matter what, that we look to you and say, Hosanna, Lord, save us. That we'd say, Lord, blessed is the he who comes in the name of the Lord, that you're that one, that we would praise you no matter what. Though you give and though you take away, we would praise you no matter what. Why? Because we're living in light of the party. And God, this morning we want to party. We want to celebrate in this room in a small way. And it's, it's just a shadow of the reality of what it will be like someday to party in your presence. Those who are going through sickness right now, you promised it will be gone. Those who are going through health issues, Lord, you promised that they will be gone. Those who are crying, God, and have a lot of mourning, you have promised that those will be gone. Those of us who are, are, are tearful, it will be gone in a, in a flash. In fact, Revelation 1 says you will wipe every tear from eyes. And so, Jesus, I just pray that you would give us a glimpse of that party and that we would think through what it, what it would be like on that day as we party, not unlike what we see in this room and not unlike what we are looking at as we look at John chapter 12 when you made your joyful, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Holy Spirit, if there's work to be done in this room, you know what it is. So just pray by your Holy Spirit you do it even as we sing this last song. Pray this all in Christ's name.